pull that up there. Title of the lesson this morning, When You Need a Change, Look to the One Who Never Changes. We have been studying from 1 Timothy, and now we're into 2 Timothy. On uh, Sunday mornings, we study from 1 Samuel on uh, Wednesday evenings, and so lessons, I kind of try to go back and forth and uh, touch on both of those as we kind of move through those books. And so this morning, we're going to take a look at 1 Samuel, the 12th chapter, and what is contained there. And I'll just bring this up as an introduction. Making change is not easy. Uh, there's an old saying, people hate change. <laughs> and that's basically true. But uh, whenever you get ready to make a change, one of the things that is essential is to know what needs to actually change. And so in 1 Samuel the 12th chapter, we're going to see this change takes place but you need to nail down exactly what it is that needs to change. So three points we'll give consideration to. What needs to change, pointing to the problem, and then finally freedom, liberty, and choice. So first of all, what needs to change? Let me say this as we get into our study this morning. Christianity, to most of us, most everybody, can seem rather paradoxical. Statements that are made that seem kind of contradictory. For instance, if you want to live, you have to die. If you want to be free, you got to become a slave. And so we look at those and we try to understand what does that mean exactly. So I would just say this to go along with that. Spiritual growth is actually made possible as we come to think more like God. And certainly as we look at those statements, you have to die in order to live. You have to become a slave in order to be free. We find that truth taught in God's Word. I mean, we have to come to understand that. And as we come to understand that, we actually are able to make spiritual growth. We become to think more like God. And so in 1 Samuel, the 12th chapter, there's another paradox that is sort of set forth there. It's not necessarily just openly stated, but it's understood. If you're going to make change in your life, then you need to look to the one who never changes. Because in 1 Samuel 12, the people of Israel have come to this point where they decide it's time for a change. But we have to ask ourselves, who are they going to look to for that change. And so we think about 1 Samuel 12, and I'll read verses 1 through 5 in just a moment, but I want you to think along those lines. What actually needs to change here in 1 Samuel, the 12th chapter? So beginning at verse 1, it says, Now Samuel said to all of Israel, Indeed, I have heeded your voice and all that you said to me, and have made a king over you. And now here is the king. Walking before you, and I am old and gray-headed, and look, my sons are with you. I have walked before you from my childhood to this day. Here I am, witness against me before the Lord and before his anointed. Whose ox have I taken, or whose donkey have I taken, or in whom have I cheated? Whom have I oppressed, or from whose hand have I received any bribe from with, with which to blind my eyes? I will restore it to you. And they said, You have not cheated us or oppressed us, nor have you taken anything from any man's hand. Then he said to them, The Lord is witness against you, and his anointed is witness uh, against you this day. 
that you have not found anything in my hand? And they answered and said, He's our witness. Isn't that interesting? God had provided judges during this period of time. Samuel is the last one. And these were special people that were raised up to oftentimes deliver God's people. And sometimes they were just to judge between God's people and settle disputes between God's people and to provide justice among God's people. But most often, what they're most famous for is when God would raise up, raise up a judge to deliver them from their enemies that was oppressing them. The reason that they would need to be delivered is because they had been unfaithful. And so there would be instability and insecurity and turmoil. And then finally they would realize they would need to be delivered and they would cry out to God and God would raise up a judge and deliverer for them. All of that pointed to their shortcomings. Not God's shortcomings. To their shortcomings. And here they are in that situation again. Turmoil within the nation. The Philistines and the Amorites are at their border. And they say, it's time for a change. Well, what are you going to change? Well, we need to change the leadership. That's what needs to change. So in 1 Samuel the 8th chapter, they asked for a king. And Samuel at first is offended by this, but God says, it's not you, Samuel, it's me. They're rejecting me. So go ahead and give them a king. And so in 1 Samuel 12, Samuel is saying, here's your king. You wanted to change, but is that really what needs to change? But God said to go ahead and give you a king, so that's what he has done. Let me give you this illustration before we go any further. It was 2006. Dusty Baker was the manager of the Chicago Cubs. They lost 96 games that year. Ended up in last place in their division. At the end of the season, the general manager called for Dusty Baker to come to his office. Everybody knew when the general manager called for Dusty Baker to come to his office, they knew what that meant. Dusty's gone. <laughs> there needs to be a change. So we're going to fire the manager. That wasn't really the problem. But the organization had decided we need to make a change. We need to make a big change. So what should we do? Let's fire the manager. See, oftentimes we need to think along these lines. Things start to happen in our lives. And there's turmoil. And there's things that are going on that we're not happy with. And we get to thinking, there needs to be a change. Sometimes that can happen in marriages. Sometimes it can happen in families. Sometimes it can happen in jobs. Sometimes it can happen in churches. 
things aren't going right, we get anxious and we say it's time for a change. And so sometimes in marriage, some, somebody walks out. Sometimes on a job, things are not going right and we want a big change and we say, I quit. Sometimes things aren't going right and the boss says, who are we going to fire? Sometimes we just feel like life ain't going right. I'm not happy. I think I'll make a big purchase. Sometimes things aren't going right. I feel like I've been wronged. I'm going to sue somebody. And so a lot of times when things aren't going right, we decide there needs to be a change. So in 1 Samuel, the 12th chapter, Israel has come to that point. There's all kinds of turmoil going on within the nation. And they say, we need to make a change. And so they come to Samuel and they say, we want a king. We want a change in management. But was that really the problem? But before... Samuel just kind of hands the reins over to this new king. He says, I want to ask you a few questions. And they're like, fine, go ahead. So in 1 Samuel, the 12th chapter, in verses 1 through 5, he says, here's your king. But I wanted you to witness against me and the Lord to witness against me this day. Have I ever taken anybody's ox? No. Have I ever taken anybody's donkey? No. Have I ever cheated anybody? No. Oppressed anybody? No. Have I been bribed by anybody? No. And they say, you've not cheated us. You've not oppressed us. But what do you want? We want a new manager. We want a king to reign over us. And so Samuel says, are you witnesses against me this day? And they say, yeah, yeah. We, we testify that what you said is true. What about God and his anointed that you now have before you? Would they agree with you? Yeah, we all agree. So the problem is not me. And they say, yeah, you're not the problem. But you want to change from me the judge took in. Say yes. We still want to make the change. So Samuel says, Here's your king. You think that'll fix the problem? So next, I want to read verses seven through thirteen, and then we'll look at verse sixteen. First Samuel twelve, beginning at verse seven. He says, Now therefore stand still that I may reason with you before the Lord God concerning all the righteous acts of the Lord which he did to, you, did to you and your fathers. When Jacob had gone into Egypt and your fathers cried out to the Lord, then the Lord sent Moses and Aaron who brought your fathers out of Egypt and made them dwell in this place. And when they forgot their God, and when they forgot their God, he sold him into the land, hand of Sisera commander of the army of Hazor, into the hand of the Philistines, and into the hand of the king of Moab, 
and they fought against them. Then they cried out to the Lord and said, We have sinned because we have forsaken the Lord and served the Baals and the Asheroths. But now deliver us from the hand of our enemies and we will serve you. And the Lord sent Jeroboam, Badan, Jephthah, Samuel, and delivered you out of the hand of your enemies on every side and you dwelt in safety. And when you saw that Naash, king of the Ammonites, came against you, you said to me, now watch this. Think about what he just said. When your fathers cried out, God sent Moses in there. In times past, when you've had issues, God has delivered these, sent these other deliverers to you. And now, now, you saw that Naash, this is recent, king of the Ammonites, came against you. You said to me, no, but a king shall reign over us. When the Lord your God was your king. Now therefore. Here's the king. Whom you have chosen. And whom you have desired. And take note. The Lord has set. A king over you. Verse 16. Now therefore. Stand. And see this great thing. Which the Lord will do. Before your eyes. You notice that? You know what Samuel's saying? He's saying, God's given you today just what you're asking for. You say it's time for a change, and God says, okay, here's the king. But before the king actually officially takes over, I want to take a little stroll down memory lane with you. So I want you to think back when your forefathers were in bondage in Egypt and they cried out. And what happened? God sent Moses. God sent Aaron. And you were delivered. And then after that, when you had other oppression against you and against your nation and you cried out because because you had been unfaithful. But yet God sent these deliverers. And now more recently, <laughs> you've got Naash. And you're being oppressed. Now think. Why are you being oppressed? And think in times past, what did you cry out for God to do? To deliver you. And now you've got all these issues going on within the nation. And what do you ask for? Give us a king. <coughs> Some say that as you read 1 Samuel, the 12th chapter, it's really like a court scene. And so in verse 7, when Samuel says, I will reason with you, they say it's like the judge has said, 
Court is now in session. And I want the accused to rise. And he says in verse 7, I will reason with you, Israel. Stand before me. And let's talk about this. And then in verse 16, he's going to say it again, but it's a little bit different there, and we'll talk about that in just a moment. But in verse 7, what he's going to say is, I'm going to tell you what the Lord did for you in the past. And I want you to think back. And so Samuel gives them that history lesson. And then he says in this present situation, and you think things need to change again, you're not turning back to God. This time you're saying, give us a king. This scenario is repeated over and over again in the Old Testament. It's repeated over and over again in their history in the book of Judges. They go along for a while. They're faithful to God. They become unfaithful to God. God allows their enemies to oppress them. And then when they realize that, they cry out to the Lord. And when they turn back to the Lord, the Lord raises up someone to deliver them. And then they follow him for a while. And then they become unfaithful again. And then that scenario just repeats itself over and over and over again. So Samuel gives them this sort of short history lesson. And he reminds them how in times past, when you had troubles, you cried out to God, not to a king. And it all worked. You cried out, God sent Aaron and Moses. You cried out, God raised up judges. When your forefathers were in bondage, God brought you out to the land flowing with milk and honey. And the people forgot. And so Samuel gives them this history lesson. And he gives them this reminder. You know what that is? That's Galatians 6, verse 7 and 8. Remember Galatians 6, verse 7 and 8? Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man sows, this he shall also reap. If a man sows to the flesh, from the flesh he will reap corruption. If he sows to the Spirit, from the Spirit he will reap eternal life. We oftentimes refer to that as the law of sowing and reaping. It works in nature and it works in the spiritual realm too. And so what he's reminding them of here is that law of sowing and reaping. When you followed after God, you received blessings. When you turned away and became unfaithful, then He allowed you to be oppressed. But then once you turned back, then He would bless you again, and then you would forget, (laughs) and you'd become unfaithful again, and so God would oppress you again. That's the law of sowing and reaping. There are laws in nature, and there are spiritual laws. And we live by those. 
oftentimes we talk about breaking the law. So let me give you this other illustration. If you go on the west end of this building and you stand down there by that garage and you look up, it's probably a good 30 feet to the top of this building back there. Now, there's something called the law of gravity. You stand on top and you decide, I don't care about the law of gravity. I'm jumping off. Do you know when you jump off, you did not break the law of gravity. The law of gravity is perfectly fine. (laughs) But when you hit the ground, it's going to break you. The law is working just fine. You didn't break the law of gravity. You violated the law of gravity. In the spiritual realm, there's a law. God has spiritual laws. And this is the law of sowing and reaping. If you sow to the flesh, in other words, you do not want to listen to God, then there are going to be consequences. This is God's world. We live in His world. And He is one that's made the laws, both physical and spiritual. And so Samuel reminds him of that. But there's something else that is there that he reminds him of. You cried out. God sent someone to rescue you. So you know what he's reminding him of? Every great rescue came when you cried out to God. He says, and he brought you to this place. Now that's where we got to make the application. You were in bondage. You cried out. God delivered you and brought you to a place, the land flowing with milk and honey, where you could be in a relationship with Him and enjoy the benefits of being in a relationship with Him. Spiritually, it's the same thing. We're in bondage. God delivers us through His Son. He brings us to a place where we can enjoy being and receive the benefits and blessings of being in a relationship with him. But now, this is the period, the time of the judges. This is a snapshot of Israel's history. Following judges, which we studied not long ago, we're now studying 1 Samuel. There's still turmoil because this is the period of the judges. And they're saying we need a change. And Samuel's trying to help them see, yes, you need a change. But what's the change you need? See, because the book of Judges closes with this. 
It says, Judges 21, about verse 25. Now at this time, there was no king in Israel, and every man did what was right in his own eyes. That brought all kinds of problems. And in 1 Samuel chapter 12, Samuel tells them, you had me. I was a good judge, wasn't I? And they go, oh, yeah, yeah, you're very good. But what did you ask for when you realized there needed to be a change? We want to fire the manager. Same old team, but we want to get rid of the manager. We want a king. And so Samuel says, all right. God says, give it to you. Let me know how this works out for you. See, what they needed to understand was this. He goes back to when God rescued their forefathers from Egyptian bondage. And he wants them to realize God never rescued you. God never entered into a covenant with you. God never brought you to this promised land so that you could come here and then live without Him. That wasn't why God did that. He brought them there and He was to be their God. And they were to be His people. And if they would follow Him, He would bless them. If they refused... There would be consequences. That's the law of sowing and reaping. That's God's spiritual law. So, they say, we got problems. God's answer is, turn back to me. Their answer is, we need a king. See, to them, that's kind of paradoxical. We say we need a change, and you're saying come back to the one who never changes. You said, yeah, that's right. Now, here's the point. It's freedom. It's liberty. It's choice. 1 Samuel, the 12th chapter in verse 7, Samuel says, I want to reason with you. Because you're making a choice. But you know what? You need to understand something about freedom and you need to understand something about liberty. I want you to notice, verse 7, come let us reason together. I want to read verses 13 through 15 to you again and listen what Samuel is now saying. Verse 13, Now therefore, here is the king whom you have chosen and whom you have desired. And take note, the Lord has set a king over you. Verse 14, If you fear the Lord 
and serve him and obey his voice and do not rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then both you and the king who reigns over you will continue to following the Lord our God. Verse 15, However, if you do not obey the voice of the Lord, but rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then the hand of the Lord will be against you as it was against your fathers. You know what I just said? You came and you asked for a new manager. We want a king. So what God, What did God do? He gave you a new manager. He's given you a new king. But verse 14 and verse 15, if you will listen, if you will obey, you and your king, but if you and your king do not, guess what? You know what I just said? You got a new manager. But the rules of the game, they haven't changed. They haven't changed. You need to learn the rules of the game. In 1 Samuel chapter 12 and verse 8, he says, When Jacob had gone into Egypt... And your fathers cried out to the Lord. Then the Lord sent Moses and Aaron, who brought your fathers out of Egypt and made them to dwell in this place. When you were in bondage, you could not free yourself. And you cried out to God, and what did God do? He responded and sent a deliverer and brought you out of bondage and brought you to this place. You know what that means? It means they were free. They were free from Egyptian bondage. They were free from Pharaoh. They were free from slavery. And now, they were free to enter into a covenant with God and to live in this land free to live under the laws of God in a covenant there are laws regulating the relationship between God and man and between man and man think about this for just a moment verse 4 I am the Lord thy God. Thou shalt have no other gods besides me. You got one God now. Not the many gods of Egypt. You got one. And you shall bear no graven image. There is nothing that you can design that is a reflection of me. So don't try that. Do not take the Lord's name in vain. He is to be reverenced. And remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Why? Because I don't want you to ever forget who it is that made the world and you and the laws that govern it all. You need to understand that. And now the relationship between you and your fellow man. I want you to honor your mother and your father. Why? 
because that is the basic building block of society. And thou shalt not murder. You do not have the right to just take people's lives. And thou shalt not steal. You don't have the right to just take somebody else's stuff. <laughs> you may want to, but you can't. And thou shalt not bear false witness. You can't take their good name from them and their character. Don't do that. And then don't come. That's that strong desire, uncontrolled. Because that one can make you violate all the rest. So here's the laws to govern your life in this new land. Laws between me and you and between me and you. You're free to live under this covenant. Free. Now then, in America, <coughs> land of the free, right? <laughs> and we say things like, I like that free. Land of the free. We're free. I'm free. This is America. I'll do whatever I want. Because I'm free. You ever heard that? Let me ask you this. Is that right? Is that true? Is that freedom? In a covenant, there are laws regulating man's relationship with God and man's relationship with one another. We have a constitution. I'll mention a little more about that in a minute. But he wanted them to understand. And Samuel wanted them to understand. Living in this new land, blessings would come through following the covenant. A covenant where God is leading and guiding you and he is respected and reverenced and you remember it. But his laws regulate the relationship between you and your fellow man. In Judges 21, it says at that time, every man was doing what was right in his own eyes. Can you see the problem? See, they needed to understand something about freedom, but they needed to understand something about liberty. Let me give you the definition of liberty. This is the short version. <laughs> Liberty is the absence of arbitrary restraint by an individual or government. An individual or government just arbitrarily restraining you. That's not liberty. Liberty 
takes into account the rights of all involved. The exercise of liberty, now listen, the exercise of liberty is subject to capability. Where will I take my liberty to? Yet, it is limited by the rights of others. Liberty is the responsible use of freedom under the rule of law without depriving anyone else of their freedom. You think that's a big job to write those laws? And to understand all of that? John 8 and verse 32. You shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Have you ever heard anybody quote that verse in an attempt, in an effort to just kind of show, well, I'm saved by grace. Jesus said you shall know the truth and the truth has set me free. (laughs) You know what they do when they do that? They yank that verse out of context. Because in the verse just prior to it, in verse 31, Jesus says, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. His word helps you to be free. In a political sense, freedom is lack of arbitrary restraint by an individual or by a government. In a spiritual sense, liberty is freedom from the influence and effects of sin. Because through sin, we can become enslaved. We can end up back in bondage. Worldly thinking can lead you into sin. That's why Isaiah says in Isaiah the 55th chapter My thoughts are not your thoughts, and my ways are not your ways. For as the heavens is higher than the earth, so are my thoughts higher than yours and my ways higher than yours. See, the way that we make gain spiritually is coming to think like God. And somehow, and Satan did this a long time ago, he sold the lie that you don't have to live by God's laws. You can make them up yourself. And you'll be free. (laughs) You'll find yourself in bondage. In bondage to sin. Because God is the one who can give laws that set you free. That's exactly what James is talking about. In James, the first chapter, in about verse 25, when he says, He who looks 
into the perfect law of liberty and is not a forgetful hearer, but is a doer of the work, he will be blessed in what he does. Can we see that? The perfect law of liberty. A law that recognizes, acknowledges, respects the relationship between man and God, and then realizes and recognizes and respects the relationship between man and man. Our founding fathers did something pretty amazing. They wrote the Constitution. It's a body of laws that help us to live free. You know what the three basic points of the Constitution is? They recognize the inalienable rights that God has given us. And there's three. The right to life, to liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And your right to life and the pursuit of happiness is protected by liberty that's written in the Constitution. (laughs) Can you see that? And so when someone comes along and goes, this is America, and I can just do whatever I want, you don't understand freedom, you don't understand liberty, and you don't understand how we live together. God understands. And He made us free. But He gave us a law. And James says it's the perfect law of liberty. I think Patrick Henry understood what the founding fathers were trying to do. When he said, give me liberty or give me death. He wasn't saying, let me live in a land where there's just anarchy and every man runs around doing what's right in his own eyes. Let me live in a land that recognizes man's responsibility to God and the rights and the dignities of their fellow man. Give me liberty. James says we look into the perfect law of liberty. Samuel was trying to help them to see where the real change needed to be made. He was a good leader. Samuel was a great leader. You know what they needed? They needed to be better followers. Firing the manager wasn't going to change the team. They needed to come back to the rule book and the one who wrote the rule book. That's what they needed to change. The book of Judges was a time of turmoil and stress and confusion in Israel's history. They were God's people, but they weren't following God. And so there were challenges and there was oppression by their enemies. And it led them to want to make a change. That was good. But what they wanted to change was not themselves. They wanted to change leadership. They wanted to go from judges to a king. But that wasn't going to solve their problem. They needed a change of heart is what they needed. And to turn back to the Lord and to serve Him. And so what Israel was learning 
in 1 Samuel, the 12th chapter was, when you need to make a change, look to the one who never changes. That's 1 Samuel 12. Extend the invitation this morning to any and all that are here. If you need to come back to the Lord and make your life right with Him, or if you need to obey Him initially, we're here to help you in any way that we can while together we stand and while we sing.